Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Lyrically, I'm untouchable, uncrushable. Run it in a 600, run it in a 600. Untouchable, uncrushable. Run it in a 600, run it in a 600. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Punch the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Stubbs, and I appreciate you joining me here, as always. And what will be the last ride, at least for now, and I, I can't stress the for now, and I'll explain more later in the show and, and next week's show. Uh, joining me this evening is Saturday Night Boxing's very own, our favorite, our guy, Adam Abramowitz. Adam, I appreciate you joining me here one more time here on Punch the Face Radio. Uh, hopefully Adam can hear me. Hopefully I'm not having technical difficulties on my side, which would be about right. No, no, no. We are all good. <laughs> we are all good. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been great. Uh, I have had a uh, new daughter since we last spoke uh, officially on the show, so it's been uh, uh, lots of exciting transitions. But, um, yeah, so it's been all good. Very happy to be here tonight, Brandon, uh, as always. Well, awesome, and again, congratulations to you and your wife and your growing family, and hopefully we're gaining yet another boxing fan, but, you know, she's young. We're not going to throw her to the, the to the fire quite yet, and we'll definitely make sure we get her that Miguel Cotto mixtape so she can understand uh, oh, how God. to punch properly to the body. <laughs> my, 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 my two-year-old son, though, does know boxing. He calls it Baki, but he knows he knows boxing. He calls it Baki. He, he sometimes is very into it. Well, that, that's that's what we like to hear here now. Adam, we, we yeah. had some interesting cards here over the weekend. We had a um, card over in the yeah. U.K. featuring Tyson Fury. We also had Roman Gonzalez, Estrada uh, Part 3 here in uh, in Phoenix, or well, the Phoenix area uh, here in the U.S. So I don't know. Do we want to start over in the U.K. first, um, since that was the first card of the day? Do we want to kind of touch on that one first? Well, no, let's do, let's do Roman. I think I think Roman was probably the bigger story, uh, Roman Gonzalez, Estrada. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go to the UK. Um, you know, it was a big third fight between these two. Um, I think I was looking as forward to it as somewhere because I, I was pretty confident that Gonzalez won the second, uh, even though he didn't get the decision. So, you know, I felt that if the scores were fair in the second fight, we didn't have a third fight. Um, you know, and Gonzalez was already 35. I thought at a certain point in time, it was, you know, Estrada – just by age and being three years younger, was going to win one of these legitimately. Uh, I'm still not sure he won Saturday's fight legitimately. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, I, I don't think it was a robbery. Uh, you know, he was a close fight. I'm just saying I, I thought Gonzalez may, may have snuck it, you know, by, by two points. But I, I'm not going to say if you had Estrada by two points that that's fine. You know, it was a very close fight. Um I don't think it lived up to the first two. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fine. The back half was exciting, but it wasn't Cliff Roll. I talked to the historians on boxing scene, and he said something like, you know, of the 11 fights between Estrada and Gonzalez and Sorung Vizai and Quadris, it was probably like number eight or nine in terms of the quality. And that's probably about right. It's been a fantastic grouping at, at 115 for these guys. 
Um, but uh, Saturday's fight was a good one. I guess I think Estrada fought pretty well. We, I don't think anybody was thinking it was Pete Gonzalez. Good fight. Not amazing. Yeah, I, and I, and again, we, we don't talk about these things before we start the show, and I, I actually fully agree. I rewatched the fight here this afternoon uh, just to kind of refresh myself and just, you know, kind of something we're going to talk about it here on the show. And honestly, I would have no beef with it being the draw. I also have no beef with Roman winning by a point or two. I thought he did more the back half of the fight. He turned it on. But again, kind of like in the other fight, you know, he got also a slow start, and that did him in. Um, so he has no one to blame but himself in that regards. But um, yeah. it, it, I will say this, and I thought early on they were a little bit spot on, but I also thought they were beating a dead horse. He did look like he had gotten older overnight. Uh, he didn't seem as sharp and as crisp. Maybe he kind of turned it on the, a little bit more in the back half of the fight. He did look a little bit more like the normal Roman Gonzalez we've seen. But on the same token, Estrada didn't look great either to where – I was not impressed by either one of these guys, and I'm, I'm looking at it yeah. on a much broader scale of their reign as being the guys in the division. That's over. Um, you know, it, it's they're there for now, but that that era, that stretch we had, it's over. And in Roman's case, Roman's fought a lot of wars, and it does catch up to you. Estrada's not the spring chicken himself; it's catching up to him. So. Yeah. It, it, it was, I'm like, like you said, you know, it was a good fight, especially the back half of the fight. I thought it was definitely a little bit more uh, give and go, a little bit more entertaining than the first, you know, four to five rounds. But um, it, it definitely didn't, it, it felt a little bit lackluster once it was all said and done. Yeah. Estrada was really sharp in the first, let's say, six or seven rounds of the fight. But then, you know, depending on how you score the 11th round or the 12th round, I mean, you know, obviously, there's a clear path to Estrada winning the fight, depending on how you score those rounds. But at the same time, it's almost like, you know, he's so far up in the fight. And the fact of the matter is that you that he needs to win 12, you know, 11 or 12, or 11 and 12, depending on what your scorecards look like. I mean, that says a lot. I mean, he's yeah. he's up big. Um, and he faded. You know, he, he faded in the fight. Um, listen, they're both great fighters. Um you know, you know Roman Gonzalez has had some tough decisions go against him. Uh, and then on the other hand, you know, I felt like a lot of his prime was even before he got to HBO. Like, I always felt like he was – but then he was also pound for pound number one. And then again, he's still headlining cards, which would never have happened 10 or 15 years ago. His career is very interesting to evaluate because sometimes he feels like he gets the short end of the stick. But he's been in a lot of big fights. Um, he's gotten a lot of publicity belatedly. Uh, he made some money, uh, which is good. Um, I just wish we could have seen more of his best fights. Or I wish more of his fights were more widely seen at the time. The Agachi fight, for instance, Pan. And, um, he's done a lot for the sport. Uh, I don't think he should retire. Uh, I still think there are people he could beat at 115. I just think he needs to be matched carefully. Um, but yeah, it, it was. Um, the fight was essentially, I, I, I just didn't think it was going to be as good as the second one. And it wasn't. And, no. uh, um, you know, the other thing that is very, that's worth pointing out is like, you never know sometimes is that Estrada looks so bad in that fight against RG Cortez, uh, where I think he was dropped earlier in the year. Uh, I think this was just about three months ago. And Gonzalez looks fantastic, you know, when he beat, um, uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, right? 
He looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you never know. You know, you, you these two just match up very well. They know each other really well. And you get to a certain age where Roman is, and I'm not saying he fell off a cliff, but, you know, you're not you're not guaranteed to be your, your freshest every night in the ring. Yeah, and it it, it definitely showed. And again, though, but you, we have to take into account, you fought all these fights, these wars, and, and tough battles. Uh, you know, he hasn't yeah. had any, you know, a ton of easy outs over the last few years, especially when he's been brought to the masses here that we've seen him here in America. Uh, when it, you know, he was, I want to won't say at his peak per se, but he was at his peak popularity when he finally came over here to America. We got to see more of him. But all of those fights we've seen from him is, is he's been in front of a, va- a mass American audience has been, for the most part, wars. Like these have been grueling, you know, tough 12 round fights. Uh, that, you know, are close, competitive, and take a lot out of you. And eventually that does catch up to you. And I I think we're starting to see a little bit of that now. I I don't want to say, you know, retire per se, but I also don't want him to stick around too much much longer and suffer punishment that's unnecessary. We'll we'll talk about a fighter in a second in regards kind of to that. Yeah, I mean, I I just think he needs to be matched carefully. Um, uh, now, what does that mean? I mean, does 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 a third Surung Vizai fight make sense at this point? Surung Vizai was just stopped against Bam Martinez, also looked old. I mean, you know, on one hand, you're like, well, you know, they're both in the same age group. And on the other hand, you're like, wow, well, he may take a lot of abuse in that fight, too. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. I hope he takes some time off. And, you know, whatever he does, if it's eight months or ten months later, um, you know, he has a good opportunity it was interesting that Estrada, right, turned down uh, a mandatory shot with Joshua Franco, which I thought was really interesting. There was a purse bid ordered, and Estrada walked away from that. Um, I think I would have picked Franco for the upset. Uh, and Franco now has a uh, New Year's Eve fight against uh, Kazutu Ioka, who's another one of these great fighters uh, at 115, who's a champion, but he hasn't really mixed in with these other guys. Um, that should be a really good fight, too. Um, but yeah, I think the point is there's a big difference between these fighters who are in the thirties and guys that are more prime and, you know, the Bam Rodriguez of the world, not that Bam, you know, dominates everybody in the world. It's just, there's a big difference between, you know, Carlos Colladres and, uh, Sorong Vizai in their mid thirties and what Bam Rodriguez looked like. Uh, you know, in his early 20s. He's just so much more agility and, you know, it's just it's just fresher. And so yeah. I think you will see a changing of the guard soon. Um, I don't know if Franco beats Ioka, for instance, but, uh, you know, wouldn't rule it out either. So I think yeah. I think Estrada was right to turn down that Franco fight, by the way. And I, and I think he probably got a much better payday here for, obviously, the Chocolatito third fight. Um, and I don't I don't know if I'd say one would be quote unquote easier than the other, but um I, I'm like you, yeah, I wouldn't have liked his chances against Franco at, at this stage of, of where Franco was at. Um but Franco's also not fought in over a year. I mean, when he fights here at the end of the year, that's gonna be his first fight since August of last year. So Yeah. There's that. So it, it, it's it's a lot to go into it, but that's what also makes this division interesting because you're now seeing some of the young guard that are there in the division who seem to be kind of ripened to try to 
snatched and taken from the old brigade that has been there. And you've kind of seen that with some of the matchups we've seen to where, you know, like you said, Bam taking out Sora, uh, set Riggins Eye, whose name I still can't enunciate after six years. Um, <laughs> but you're starting to see a little bit of that right now. And I think you're going to see more of that, more of that progression going into 2023. Yeah, I mean, it was a good division. I will say this on the undercard, I thought Julio Caesar uh, Martinez looked like ass. Um, I, I think he continues to look worse and worse. This is a guy that looked to be a really exciting younger fighter, uh, you know, signs a long-term deal with Matchroom, signs up with Eddie Reynoso, and, um, you know, lost to Gonzalez. Uh, he was facing kind of an unknown uh, Spanish guy in uh, Samuel Carmona. And I thought Carmona was doing really, really well in the first five rounds of the fight till he – until he uh, hurt his hand, and then I, I don't think he could deal with it well. So Martinez winds, winds up winning a, a decision. Um, he looked terrible, though. I mean, he just he just looked like he had no idea uh, uh, how to handle a guy who was moving, couldn't cut the ring off, like, you know, really didn't hurt Carmona. It's just Carmona stopped throwing punches. Um, uh, you know, it, I just feel like this guy's really gone backwards. He's pulled out of fights. He's had injuries. Um, not one of my favorite guys in the sport at all, but but I see his career is really only going to go has been going one way for the last eighteen months, and it's not good. No, yeah, and I I completely second that that notion in regards to him. It, it, I don't really know what's going on with him. I mean, he he looked good in the fight after the Charlie Edwards fight, and that was back in twenty nineteen. But right. really, since then, it's been a kind of mishmash of look okay. Uh, score a couple, you know, TKO wins over nondescript opponents, and then, you know, they have the weird stuff with the uh, McWilliams Arroyo. How you come in yeah. overweight when you're moving up in weight, which is shit still puzzling to me. And we're talking here, you know, nine months later, it's still puzzling to me. He came in a pound under here for this fight this past weekend. I don't know. I don't know if he's not taking everything 100% seriously, if he's not taking opponents seriously, because he had that early success. He had that buzz about him. Maybe he was, you know, preferably smelling his own ass and thinking he was maybe better than what he was, and now he's maybe coming back down to earth. I don't know, but the ceiling for him just doesn't seem as high as it was a few years ago. It it just doesn't. It just seems like at some point he's going to be ripe for the picking and somebody's going to knock him off because he's going to be prepared. Yeah, and you know, other sport are taking other people in the sport are taking it more seriously, whether it's Sonny Edwards or you know Junta Nakatani, who just moved up to 115, or you know, there's all sorts of uh, uh, guys, uh, Ken Shiro, who who could be moving up to 112. Uh, there's a lot of guys who I would pick over him now at this point. Um, yeah, I mean it happens. Listen, there there are fighters who surprise you in good ways, and they're fighters who surprise you in bad ways, quite frankly. And uh, Martinez had a lot of momentum and, and really looked to to be someone who was going to make a huge mark in the sport and, uh, you know, could also just be the money, Brandon. You know, he's been getting decent money for the first time in his life the last few years. Um, yeah, and money changes, changes fighters. Somebody, too. Yeah, money yeah, changes sometimes. fighters. We, yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it. We, you yeah. know, they start getting the big checks, and you know that that yeah. hunger's not there like it used to be. So, I mean, it, it's something we do see, and I, yeah. I think that definitely could be something that plays a part of it there. Yeah. So, um, 
that undercard I really need to talk about. Uh, a lot of prospects. I guess Pacheco looked good. Um, uh, but, you know, that, that's that. Um, if you don't mind, we can we can go to England for that card. Uh, yeah. If, unless you have anything else you want. Okay, great. Um, you know, Tyson Fury, it was a formality against Derek Chisora. He has already beaten twice before Saturday. Um, I don't think Chisora was ever even close to winning a round. No. Uh, it goes into the 10th when the ref stops it. I think Fury carried him. You know, um, you know, I, won't, I'm not, I, I think that's fair to say. I think, I think yeah. he could have. I'm not saying that he knocks him out with more pressure, but I think he could have had the ref come in and stop that sooner if he wanted to. Um, you know, he started dicking around with going southpaw and playing around a little bit, and you know, anyway, it was it was kind of a waste of time. We thought it was going to be. It was exactly what we thought, and the most exciting part of it was after the fight where Usyk's there and Joseph Parker, I'm not Parker, uh, uh, Joe Joyce is there. And, you know, finally have a build-up to something. Uh, and hopefully, you know, a big fight materializes next. But this was just, um, you know, the only positive I'll say is this. You know, we we gave Fury a really hard time for not making defenses. You know, he's the the man, you know, the, the lineal, but he's not making defenses. He's the champion. And, you know what? So this year he made defenses against Dillian White and Dirk Sisora, and at least one of those with White is legit top five or six guys at a time, and whatever, Sisora is close to 50. You know what I mean? It's like those are mm-hmm. these are the types of defenses that sometimes people make. Uh, so at least Fury is fighting guys and not out of the ring for a terribly long period and looks to be, you know, recommitted to the sport and wants to fight. So from that perspective, it's good. I guess it's much rather that he's fighting than not. Um, but I can't say that there's anything remotely exciting or interesting about the fight. Uh, completely agree. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing exciting at all. Um, besides that, I, I won money off of it because I, I knew it was going to be a stoppage win by Fury. Oh, stop. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I picked him, picked him to win, picked him to flat out win, picked him to win the stoppage. Uh, and picked it to get, obviously uh, go under twelve. Uh, these are all things. Granted, I, I started getting a little bit nervous there. Like, <laughs> what? So you got a little nervous, but but um, he stopped carrying him and finally was over. Now, I, I will say completely, you know, everything with Tyson Fury portion agree. Now, I do have to say this in regard to Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora has taken a lot of punishment throughout his career, yeah. a lot, and you know he's already been very vocal saying no, he's not ending it like this. He does plan on fighting again. So, you know, who's going to be willing to give him a fight at this point? I don't know whether a commission will uh, clear him at this point. I don't know. What I do know is he hasn't won consecutive fights since 2019, and he's fought a lot of fights since then. Um, and, he, and the thing is this. He's not losing against bums. He's losing against world titleists, world title challengers, former titleists. So he's not losing against you know, journeymen or up-and-comers or anything like that. He's losing against legitimate guys. Some of these fights have actually been split-decision losses. But in the process of going through those and getting those close-decision losses, quote-unquote, he's suffering a lot of punishment. He's taking a lot of hits. The human head is not meant to be hit. And at his age, at this point, you have to know when enough is enough. But sometimes fighters have to be protected for themselves, and this should be a point where somebody should say to him, I know you don't want to go out with a loss, 
but is it worth it? Because if you go out there again, it could end up being even worse, and something can really happen to you. So I, I, I hope someone is in his ear and telling him that, because what I saw out of him on Saturday doesn't make me think he can win many fights against many guys here in the top 15, top 20 in the heavyweight division right now. What's interesting is like everybody in the English heavyweight scene kind of likes him. You know, Hayes is a good friend of his. I think Anthony Joshua used to manage him. You know, he's fought Fury. Fury talked about how, how much he respects him, and they, they're kind of friends. I think he made seven figures for the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he's done okay for himself, you know. Um, I, I just don't think there's anything really left for him. I don't think there's any, you know, he, he's played his part. He's been the B-side in some really good fights. Um, he's had a couple of wins that he's pulled out. He may have been able to pull out another one or two with better judging. You know, his fights are usually pretty good, not always. There's been some fights of his where he just completely, uh, you know, went through the motions and, and was terrible. Um, but but later in his career, you know, he, he's given good value. Um, yeah, he, 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 he gave Usyk. I mean, I thought he did better against Usyk than Joshua. Yeah. Um, or at least at least there's a different dynamic. I, I mean, he, he he was always dangerous for a few rounds and, and uh, you know, knocked down Parker, you know, knocked down uh, – yeah, I mean, he, 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 he's a good fighter. Um, anyway, so, yeah, uh, I think we talked about that. Um, and we'll see if it's going to be Usyk next, if it's going to be Joe Joyce next, if it's going to be Joshua next. Um I would expect it would be one of those three, uh, probably in that order of likelihood. Who's mm-hmm. Joyce, Joshua. Uh, and I got no problem with any three see. of those. If no, those are three, no, not at all. no beef at all. Not at all. And uh, I hope they can happen, and, uh, and we'll see. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the Daniel Dubois-Kevin Lorena fight because yes. – um, that was a really interesting fight. Um, you know, it, it made me it made me write for the first time in almost a month. Not that I was quitting writing, but I was on a little hiatus with with my new daughter. I just was finding tough to, to to find as much time at the moment. I'll have to find some new routines. But I saw some things in this fight that were sickening, and uh, I had to write. It was uh, offensive and appalling, and so it was, you know. What, I guess the people who are listening know who we're talking about because Daniel Dubois by now is a pretty well-known heavyweight from England who uh, Frank Warren had invested a lot of money into, lost in his first big step-up fight to Joe Joyce, uh, but came back and, you know, won a secondary title. And, you know, they were still kind of moving him up for bigger things. So um, – Kevin Lorena was a, a cruiserweight a few years ago from South Africa who was kind of playing around with Bridget White. And then he says, all right, well, why don't I just move up to heavyweight and let's see how things go. Uh, pretty good fighter. Um, gets three knockdowns in the first round. I think the first I, – I literally think the first knockdown is a grazing, you know, shot to the top of Dubois' head. I think it's an equilibrium shot. You know, I don't mm-hmm. – I don't, you, you look at the fight and it's not like he hits this concussive blow – so I think he hits Dubois on the top of the head, and really it's when Dubois lands with his right foot. Something goes wrong there, whether it's mm-hmm. knee or his ankle, like, or, or maybe it's just like you know, you know, it's not that it's a permanent injury, but there's some disconnection between you know his physically what's happening and the fact that he just got his, his, you know hit in the head. 
And so the next two knockdowns after that uh, is just Dubois taking a knee. And, uh, you know, he just couldn't put any weight. He didn't – Lorena didn't even land shots. Dubois, immediately when the action starts, he goes right down. So, you know, the ref, uh, Howard Foster, perhaps could have stopped the fight there. Three knockdowns in the first round. Two of them were, uh, you know, with no punches being thrown. Um, you know, many fights would have stopped it there. You know, there was no three knockdown goal in effect. But um, the guy's hurt, and he's also not making an attempt to fight at that point. Uh, so anyway, uh, but interestingly, uh, the timekeeper, the friendly timekeeper, uh, ends the fight with nine seconds left in the first round, which is very convenient. Uh, and I was talking to somebody like, well, why does that matter? I said, can you imagine Foster trying to let this fight go? And again, Dubois is English, Howard Foster is English, his reputation is kind of you know, looking out for his own. Can you imagine Foster letting this fight go if Dubois takes a fourth knee? And that's why I say that's very important about the timekeeper. Like, well, what's the difference? The guy, you know, it's like, you know, what, you know, it's like, oh, Dubois was in danger of being knocked down. I'm like, can you imagine if he takes a fourth knee, right? Now, at that point in time, you know, hey, fine, we have seen guys, you know, Occasionally, obviously, there's the Marquez-Pacquiao fight. Like, you, you've seen guys get knocked down three rounds, three times in a round continue. But, like, I think I've only seen, like, once in the modern era of a guy getting knocked down four times. Do you know what I'm saying, Brandon? So, like, mm-hmm. it is significant that the timekeeper, the friendly timekeeper, stops the fight early, uh, stops that round early. So, anyway, Dubois, you know, recovers, blah, 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 blah. Third round, you know, he's a big puncher. He drops Lorena. Uh, I think it was a right hand. Lorena gets down. He's hurt. And then you get to the end of the round where Lorena uh, is kind of trapped along the ropes. Dubois uh, hits him hard. The bell rings. And then he keeps hitting him hard. And then he lands the right hand. And Dubois and Lorena goes into the ropes. Uh, Howard Foster counts this, even though it's an illegal punch, as a knockdown. And then Lorena immediately gets to his feet. Foster looks at him and waves it off. I mean, it is the most ridiculous home cooking I've seen in a long time um, because obviously Lorena didn't get the chance to, uh, the same chance that Dubois did to recover. That, not to mention the fact that the final punch was illegal. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, that's yeah. the thing, too. It's not even that he didn't get a fair chance. It's that, it's that Foster fucks up. Not fuck, or whatever he does. He, he, he ignores, denies, whatever. The fact that this punch that puts him down, that leads to the whole calling a fight, it's not even a legal blow. Oh, and and um, sucks. I mean, it is just, you know, the word I used in my article was railroad. I mean, the guy gets fucking railroaded out of this fight. You know, he just, he, he's fighting against Dubois, who fights, you know, he punches hard enough. He's fighting against the referee. He's fighting against the timekeeper. And this is not a unique story in boxing, which is the sad part. We see this stuff happen a lot. It's not just in England. It happens in other places too. But it's just terrible when you see it, when you see such a flagrant example. Like the guy was was, was just fucked over. And uh, I, I did hear, uh, you know, that they are going to be uh, filing an appeal, you know, both to the uh, British Boxing Board of Control and WBA, which is sanctioning – I mean, the best that they're going to do is give him a rematch. You know, it's like the thing is he may never, um, you know, get an opportunity again like that, meaning he was still up in that fight after the third round, right? If he's yeah. allowed to continue, 
he's still up because he has a 10-6 round round one. And he may never be able to get Dubois, uh, you know, in that bad shape again. And and you could say, well, Dubois, it's an injury, blah, blah, blah. But that's boxing. You know, it's like he helped cause it. His punch did. You know, it's like when Miguel Cotto lands a hook and that fucks up Sergio Martinez's already fucked up knee, like Cotto gets credit for it to a degree. You know, it's like he landed the punch. You know, it's like he, he, he landed something. He did something. And you could say, well, Martinez was 100%. Well, so what? You know, it's like he still did something that led to that. So Lorena's punch in the first round led to some problem for Dubois, led to three knockdowns. He gets a rematch. There is zero guarantees that happens again. So, uh, I mean, it was a sickening – I hated it. I hated watching because he knew that these referees sometimes just are dying to stop this fight. You know, they're, they're dying to do whatever they can to help their uh, their house opponent. And, Brandon, I haven't had a good rant in a while. If this was later <laughs> in the show, it would have been even nastier. But, like, usually I, I start off, like, well-mannered and then, like, devolve. And so if this was, like, in another 20 minutes, like, I would be, you know, tearing shit up in this room that I'm in. But, you know, it's a little early still. But, yeah, I mean, it was it – was, it was re- it's funny. It's like there was the big Roman Gonzalez Estrada fight. And there was Tyson Fury fighting. But this I needed to write about because it's so easy for us to sit at home and, like, be numb to it and say, that's boxing, you know. And and um, we have to remember that it's, it's the careers of fighters, you know. It's the reputation of the sport, you know. It's, you know, this is this is bullshit what happened. And, and we need to call it out when we see it. And you know me, and you're saying if anyone, you know, Daniel Dubois is a name by now. If anybody's listening to the show should know. I'm like, I'm Daniel Dubois, like, number one American fan at this rate. You know, I had so much hope and promise in this guy and thought he had kind of rebuilt himself since that Joe Joyce loss. And this fight, it showed me some discrepancies that I'm like, oh, you know, even though he got the win, you know, I'm sitting here afterwards. I'm like, uh, I'm not liking what I see. And if I'm top rank, especially after this weekend, I'd tell Jared Anderson, you want to go to the UK? Because I think right yeah. now Daniel Dubois is uh, – he, he's going to be I, – I, I'm not – I thought he should have mowed over a guy that he's naturally larger than who is a you know somewhat of a blown-up cruiserweight because there was a definite size advantage. But he just seemed a little bit lethargic, uh, even when he kind of got himself a little bit back – uh, composed after the knockdown, especially the back half of the second round and the third round. He, he seemed to have himself a little bit more together, but uh, yeah. there are some holes there that's like, uh, you know, to his credit, I'll give him a little bit of, of uh, you know, points here for the simple fact that if he did hurt his knee, pushing through it and continuing the fight. Yeah. But, I, you know, I completely agree. And again, it, you can read Adam's article at SaturdayNightBoxing.com, shameless plug. Uh I'm like you. I was watching. I was like, this is – you could see the ref. And it really – and I, I, I tell people, go go watch it on ESPN+. Plus. You can see the ref. He was waiting for a reason to kind of jump in. And when you yeah. kind of look at it in retrospect, it's like you knew what was up. And that's very unfair to that fighter who traveled over there to make that. You know, you're saying he may not get another opportunity. Yeah, he may get a rematch, but also other fighters may look at him and say, this guy's kind of dangerous. I don't know if I want to fight him. So that also gives him, right. you know, doesn't give him an opportunity to get maybe even better fights. 
because he's got to work his way back up to being in those positions in the rankings. So right. it's it's a lot that entails when someone gets screwed over like that, and that's one of those things to where he got screwed over, and it's it's just not right. Yeah, you know, and I don't I don't know what to make of Dubois' performance either. You know, nothing nothing in my article is like critical of him. I mean, I know he did land a punch after the bell, but I, I didn't put that down as being flagrant or malicious. Like, it was just something that happened, you know. It happens sometimes. But, um, uh, you know, I'm wondering, you know, should he have taken those two knees after the first knockdown? Should he have just been holding more? You know, should he have been, you know, did he, you know, uh, you, you look at it, you're like, well, he wound up winning. He wound up coming back. It was the right move. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, Lorena didn't really come out in the second round. They had a passive I thought a mm-hmm. passive game plan where I think a lot of fighters after him taking three knees would have just fucking run to Dubois and, and it, go to him. And I, and I think, exactly. and I, and I think in hindsight, you know, I, I think in hindsight, Lorena made a mistake. You know, it was that same mistake that, that uh, Vlad Klitschko makes, you know, after dropping uh, Joshua and then kind of pulling back from the reins a little bit, you know, thinking the guy's too dangerous still. And then, you know, the guy can recover, you know, you got a wounded, and they say wounded uh, animal sometimes dangerous, but wounded animal is also wounded animal, you know, and you have to sometimes go after him. And, you know, my I guess my point that I'm trying to say is, you know, I, I think Dubois so obvious that he was hurt, so obvious that I think somebody with more skill and savvy and experience goes up to him and ends that fight in the second round, you know, like presses him, forces him to make moves, like puts the pressure on, you know, like forces that. And Lorena didn't. I think Lorena was intimidated by his power a little bit, and he didn't believe he landed a big shot. And, you know, sometimes you sometimes you don't realize you have a guy hurt as badly as you do. Um, so that, that's the issue. It's like, you know, I'm thinking about Dubois, and I, I like the fact that he came back, and I like the fact that he was aggressive by the third round. But then I don't like the fact that he's broadcasting to anybody there like, man, I cannot take a shot right now. I cannot yeah. take another punch. And I felt like that was, you know, listen, he goes down the first time, that's fine. You know, but like, listen, use your body, hold, lean on the guy, put your weight on the other one. If you have to go down, you know, later, that's fine. But the way he went down without throwing punches, without even trying to hold, I mean, I – so, anyway, things he could have done a little better in the Joyce fight. Uh, those were more of like a, a, he wasn't mature enough, you know, in terms of getting the rounds in the ring. And this, I think, was an example of him, uh, um, you know, again, it's just I feel like there's just a lack of savviness a little bit. And that shit matters, I think, when you get, you know, to the next round. And I love your idea of Jared Anderson fighting. Jared Anderson has an interesting fight this weekend with Jared Forrest, but um, I think I think that could I think that could be an interesting fight. I really do think that's an interesting fight. Uh, the more that I think about it, uh, I, I got to see how Anderson looks this weekend. I think that's a nice step up. But but good for you for your matchmaking hat. <laughs> I, I'm, I no, mean, it is. I mean that it you just, know, like, just kind of makes sense at this point. Because Anderson, I think if he wins, will be like what thirteen and zero or twelve and zero or something like that. And Dubois, you know, is a little further along definitely in its career. I mean, it's a big step up, but you know, Dubois's only gone. What has he ever gone a distance? He's gone the distance once, I think. You know, in terms of ten or twelve rounds, I think he's gone the distance once. So 
it's not like he has a ton of rounds either, you know, in the bank. He's been a big puncher. I'm not sure, you know, it's like that's an intriguing fight. I think let's see if Anderson goes rounds against Sparse because I think Anderson's going to have to go rounds at some point, you know, whether or not it's this fight or the reason why it's like if he gets tagged by Dubois, you know, we have, we have no idea how he's going to react. You know, maybe a little earlier in his career just because we need to see him have a little adversity. And I don't think, I don't think Anderson's had any adversity to this point. I think he's had like none. Yeah. Yeah, but none I, to this point, I, I, I and, and think, I mean, no, no, uh, he, like you said, he hasn't really went rounds, but it's one of those things. Also, with fighters, you don't get paid by the round if you can get your opponent right. out, get him out. But you know, I, I've said a while ago that you know, especially when Anderson kind of burst upon the scene, I thought he was about a year and a half curve behind Daniel Dubois. And after what I've seen from Daniel Dubois here this past weekend, I, I think that that curvature and that time frame is, you know, definitely shrunk. And I think we'll even get a more of a better idea this weekend here, like you said, with Anderson. Um, but I, I think that that gap isn't as wide as as it once was or once could have been. Uh, I don't I don't think it's that wide at all anymore. I I, I really don't. And I I also kind of wonder now that that loss to Joe Joyce now looks even. For Joe Joyce, even looks even better because he just literally just demolished this kid and just just walked. I won't say walked through him, but was a juggernaut. You know, pardon the, the terminology that's the guy's nickname, but he was that to him and and sees kind of a performance like he had this past week, and it, it makes you wonder a bit. Okay, just how tough is he? How great is his punch resistance? And a guy like Jared Anderson, I think at this point, you know, could beat him. So. We'll see. I, I mean, yeah. hey, I'm putting that out there. I think we could see it in the next year. Honestly, I, I you know, you never know because uh, he, he was a secondary title, the WBA, but there's absolutely no guarantee that he gets a shot at the real title anytime soon, nor do they necessarily want. I think they want it for marketing purposes. Like here's the second regular WBA champion. Like it gives him some legitimacy. I don't know if Frank Warren rolls the dice on that fight. Let me put you that way either. So I, yeah. I think it's a great shout. It could be, it could be, listen, if that gets made a year from now, it's a great fight. Um, yeah. And we could very much see that. Um, so let's move to this weekend. We got a lot of good stuff, some plays going on. We got Terrence Crawford back after a year. Um, where do we want to start? Let, let, I'll tell you where let, I would like to start. I'll tell you. Go, go ahead. I'll go tell ahead. where I would like to start. I would like to start with, I think, the most interesting fight of the weekend um, because I think this will tell us a lot in a, in a very important division in boxing with a lot of talent there and a lot of young guns, which is Teofimo Lopez against Sander Martin at 140 pounds. Uh, Sander Martin pulls the upset over Mikey Garcia. He fights one more since then. It looks pretty good. He's a late replacement opponent for Pedraza. Um, it's at 140. Lopez has been up at 140 once. I didn't think he looked great last fight. I thought he looked Mm-mm. okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I think people understand that Martin is tough, but yet everybody's kind of like, well, Teofimo's going to handle business. And from what I've seen, you know, him looking a million bucks against Lomachenko to him looking like 10 bucks versus Camposa. <laughs> I have no confidence to say that I know what the hell is going to happen. You know, frankly, you know, I, I, 
I'm, I'm really inclined to, to almost, you know, to pick this upset. You know, I, I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible on Saturday to see, see Sandra Martin winning this fight. Yeah, Tiafima Lopez is such a, a weird wild card. Um, just some of the stuff he says, you just you, you just kind of wonder where is this guy's head at and where is it going to be at fight night? And I think that's also part of why people are, you know, people like us who know boxing are like, I don't know if this guy's going to like legitimately beat Sander Martin. And and for those, I think there are a lot of people who think it's going to be a walkthrough. It, it won't be. Uh, I don't see it being a walkthrough, not even remotely close. It's going to be a competitive fight. And, you know, his first fight here at 140 against uh, Pedro Campa, uh, Campo or how you enunciate it, uh, you know, he didn't look good at all really until the the bitter end. And um, Adam's call just dropped, so Adam will join me here in a second. Uh, you know, Lopez didn't look good in that fight until the end. Uh, he didn't look um, – didn't look real crisp. He didn't look real. Um, he didn't look real good in that at all until the last few rounds, and that's where you know he kind of looked like the Tiafimo Lopez of old, and that's weird to say uh, for a guy who's um, not old, and it's not like he's uh, a vintage fighter. Like we're talking just a couple of fights ago, but he didn't really look to have that same magic about him or buzz about him into those last few rounds of that fight. So that's what makes us a little bit trepidatious in regards to him at 140 right now, because he's such a ball of nonsense uh, and just weird, um, real squirrely. That's the word I want to use in regards to Tiafimo Lopez, squirrely, because he has such squirrely energy. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, when you're interviewing him or what he's going to get in the ring. So squirrely energy is now the new phrase I use in regards to Tiafimo Lopez. I, I just I just don't know what's going to happen in this fight whatsoever, and I know that Martin can handle himself in the ring. Uh, granted, he could always get hit with a shot, but um, honestly, I, I think for Lopez, um, you know, it, this is going to be a tough fight on the cards, you know, if he doesn't knock him out because uh, Martin – you know, fights behind his jab, uses movement well, you know, it's, it's clever, um, goes in and out well, doesn't, you know, he's, he's, he, he's not a, he's a good fighter, you know. He doesn't have any power, but he's a good fighter. And yeah. um, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky point. Like, I, I, I thought he would have beaten Pedraza. I, li- I would have liked Lopez over Pedraza in that fight because I think Pedraza's gotten into some bad habits of fighting like an opponent, you know, in big fights. Uh, you know, he'll win, he'll win, he'll win, and then he'll look like an opponent when he he, he, he kind of does that a little bit. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if we see an upset on Saturday. Um, uh, you know, I, I just don't understand people's confidence with Teal, a lot of people's confidence with Lopez in this fight. If he wins, great. I'm not saying he can't, but I got to see it, you know. Fuck, go back to the Nakatani fight where he didn't look good, you know. He didn't. You know, it's like it's like he's been. A, he looks great. He doesn't look great. He looks great. He doesn't look great. I don't know. Um, you got again, Adam Squirrely, Squirrely, because you just you, yeah. you, you you don't know. It's like Mercurial. You, you a, yeah. <laughs> it's like a squirrel, like in the road, and you don't you don't know which direction they're going to run, but you're trying to avoid him. Like we don't know which direction Tiafimo Lopez is going to go. He's squirrely. <laughs> it sounds so messed up, but that's kind of where I'm at with him. It's like, yo, what what are you doing, like? Yo, what? 
Like, it's like he's at a 10, and I need him to be at a 4. Like, I need him to take yeah. it down several notches and just calm down. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I'm like you. It'll be the oh, yeah. the, the most intriguing fight of the weekend. Um, and, and obviously, I think the most, you know, evenly matched fight. And, you know, and sometimes when we have injuries, we have a better matchup and a better fight. This is a better matchup, and this is a better fight easily. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of good prospects on the show uh, that are being uh, stepped up. Uh, a couple that I, I thought were really interesting is Jared Anderson against Jerry Forrest, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, Forrest has um, got a draw with Zhang Zhili. He probably should have beaten Michael Hunter. He's also lost a bit. You know, I'm not going to pretend he's an amazing fighter, but he's a he's a, a credible guy in the heavyweight division. And I think if Anderson runs through Forrest, I think that'd be a big statement. Um, I don't think Anderson is going to lose Saturday, but I guess the question is just how good does he look? Um, I want to, I think he should be okay uh, because I don't think Forrest is a big puncher. Um, So even if Anderson struggles a little bit, I think he should get the job done. Um, He's had all these camps with Tyson Fury. Uh, I know he hasn't had a lot of professional rounds, but he has had good experience sparring with top level fighters. Um, so it's, it's a real, I think it's a real good measuring stick to see where he is. Is Jared Anderson, you know, if he runs through Forrest, you know, he could be sped up. You know, if mm-hmm. he struggles a little bit and doesn't look great, well, this is, this is his testing ground to see, okay, you've been very exciting. You've looked great. Uh, how far along are you? You know, the, let's see it. This is, this is that test. So it's a good fight. Yeah, and I think the other one that's uh, definitely – uh, um, a step up is Keyshawn Davis uh, versus um, mm-hmm. Juan Carlos uh, Burgos. I, I think is oh, yeah. we got to look at it like this. Burgos has only got six career losses, but none of those are stoppages. Yes, he's maybe a little bit long in the tooth, uh, age 34, 40 plus career fights, uh, but he goes rounds, and that's going to be a so, test and, here for and, Davis to see if he's, you good, know, gives good rounds gives, too. Gives good, good rounds. rounds. Good. Yeah, I mean, just the, kind of the, some of the names he's went full distances with. Um, uh, Devin, Gar- Devin Haney, Mikey Garcia, Roman Martinez, Cristobal Cruz. Um, you know, he's fought guys, and granted, he's lost these fights, or he's came up in close draws in some of these as well, but he goes the distance. He's going to give you rounds. And what will be interesting to see, does Davis get frustrated in any of that, if, you know, the stuff that he typically does, if it if it works, if it doesn't work? Um, we also know that he won't have his trainer there in, the, in his corner uh, as well on yeah. a Saturday night, which also may play a factor in it because you're facing a veteran fighter. What sort of adjustments will be done there? As uh, Bo Mack is going to be, from, from all indications I'm understanding, is going to be in Omaha with Terrence Crawford. So this is going to yeah. make it be a little bit interesting and um, yeah. something definitely to keep an eye on if he has to make adjustments or he gets frustrated. Who's going to be the one, the voice in the corner to calm him down and give him the correct adjustments and uh, correct, uh, you know, corrections there in, uh, in the corner in between those rounds. So that that will definitely be interesting. Yeah. I think Davis has a lot of maturity in the ring, which is good, um, and that will come into play because. Yeah, I mean, if he's looking to make a big statement and get a splashy stoppage, I just don't think this is the opponent for that. Obviously, you know, the, the fact that they're having him fight Burgos for a seventh fight shows you the confidence the top rank has in him. Uh, I mean, that's crazy, you know, for most fighters to fight a guy like Burgos. But 
Um, at the same time, you know, Davis is going to have to realize, like, I got to put punches together. I got to win rounds. I got to, you know, stick to my boxing. I got to, uh, you know, I think this will be a great opportunity for him to, to, you know, develop other facets, you know, where even if he's winning rounds, he's going to realize that the guy's still going to be there and he's, the guy's going to keep coming and, you know, he's not going to stop. So I, I think it's a great opportunity. And, um, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, you have, you have Xander Zayas on the card, you have Carrington on the card, you have, uh, you know, a bunch of the, uh, uh, top rank, you know, the litany of prospects that are going to be on the, um, uh, undercard. I don't think most of them are matched tough, to be honest with you. I, I think a lot of these are going to be kind of showcase fights, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the, Anderson fights good, and I think the Davis fights good. So I'm hoping that these guys, uh, um, you know, are tested to a degree, and, and I hope they they show that you know some maturity, and they handle whatever adversity is put through them, you know, and come through the other side. And if they don't, that's fine too. That's boxing. I think those these are both like very good, credible fights for where these two fighters are at, you know, at the stages of their career right now. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely a good matchmaking here by Brad Goodman. Shout out to Brad Goodman, who we'll talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. in regards to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I mean, this this goes to show, and a lot of times they, they get they, they get these guys to a point to where we got to see if they're going to sink or swim. And I, I think they're starting to say, okay, we we think these guys are the goods. Let's let's throw a tougher test at them. Let's see how they react. So I, I think that both yeah. of these prospects in this case will will pass the test. It's just you know, will they pass it with a a plus? Or me in high school with a D plus. Uh, that's going to be the difference, you know. Do you just do enough to, to get by, or do you do enough to really stand out? And I think that's right. going to be maybe the question mark here for both these yeah. guys. But a really solid card and I think top rank on, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and and I think top rank has another fighter that's going on a very good fight too on Saturday, which is Luis Alberto Lopez is going to England to fight mm-hmm. Josh Warrington, and uh, I I'm picking the upset. Uh, here, uh, I like Lopez. I think he's looked really good. Um, he, uh, what well, he, he beat? I think he beat Gabriel Flores, if I'm correct. If I'm correct, uh, I think he beat Isaac Lowe. Um, I, I, Warrington, you know, lost to Lara. Uh, comes back and has a, you know, convenient stoppage for no decision uh, at, at another fight against Lara. The rematch. I, I, I like Lopez in this fight. I, I think the style is going to play really well because Warrington only knows how to come forward and come right to him. And uh, uh, I, I'm picking I'm picking the upset of Lopez over Warrington. I think it could be a good fight. With that said, I think Lopez is probably going to have to knock Warrington out or knock him down a couple times. If that leads, he's going to get no favors on the scorecards. No, uh, he's going yeah. to have to show up. He's going to. He's. It's not going to be enough to like you know, have a close five, five in round or six, six in rounds or seven, five, like he's going to have to win that fight definitively. Um, but I think he can do it. So uh, I, I am picking the upset there on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a, a of that. I don't know if I'm completely wanting to go that route, but um, I, I'm leaning that way. I'm, I'm definitely leaning that way. And uh, Warrant is one of those guys I've never really taken that, serious if that makes any sense um so i would be okay if he loses i, I i'll openly yeah. admit that it'd be perfectly fine if he loses so yeah 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I forgot okay. that we do have that card there. Uh, that'll be on the zone here in the afternoon for us in the States um, from Eddie Hearn and, and Matchroom Boxing. So yeah, Warrington, uh, Lopez there uh, for for our, some of our male listeners. Ebony Bridges will be fighting on that card as well. I know she's somewhat of a, a, a fan favorite. And uh, so is, uh, she is Shannon Courtney as well. I've seen, I, I've seen that one of her, her favorite fighters is Kendra Lust, the porn star. And I didn't know I, I didn't know that I needed the Kendra Lust, uh, uh, Ebony Bridges. Uh, 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 you know, I don't know how that relationship kind of got cemented, but I've been uh, I found that to be quite interesting and you know good for Ebony Bridges. <laughs> Not that I happen to know who Kendra Lust is. I mean, yeah, I looked yeah. her up. I'm like, I have no yeah, idea who yeah. that is. But, totally, yeah. totally had to Google that one. That popped up on my timeline. Uh, Felix Cash will <laughs> still be a part of that card. Uh, Hopi Price as well. Um, you know, the, the few mm-hmm. prospects they have there at uh, Matchroom, which quite honestly is, is not much of anything. I, I do have to say something here right quick in regards to Matchroom. And I know there was some verbiage going back and forth over the weekend with Eddie Hearn and, and uh, Bob Arum pretty much getting into a pissing contest with each other and um, some truth said by both parties, but I, I have to say this, and, and, and this is the very ugly truth. Eddie Hearn has made no impact here in America uh, in regards to promoting. So if we have any international listeners from the UK, he's done nothing here in America. If you minus away anything he's done with Canelo, you can't find anything of real note. Um, so I don't really know what he's, his gripe is or what his gripe's about with Bob Arum. Bob Arum's old, and we know old people say the darndest things. Just leave him be. Like, just let Bob be Bob. We've gotten used to it here in America. I think Eddie should do the same and just let it go. Granted, it makes for very good uh, sound bites and clickbait, but let it go, Eddie. Just let it go and move on. Yeah. So, um, it leads us to Terrence Crawford. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the failed negotiations with Spence. Um, he's fighting David Evanesian. Um I think if Crawford is 60% of his best, he should win by knockout. Um, Evanesian is like a classic gatekeeper, in my opinion. You know, he does beat Josh Kelly uh, by knockout. He has some decent, you know, like European level, British, you know, level wins. Um, I just don't think he's – he's fine. And he's aggressive and he's tough, but he's limited. And, um, I, you know, I think if Crawford is switched on, he gets him out of there probably by, like, the sixth or seventh round. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of a stay-busy fight. You know, it, it, for me, the only reason that this fight is tough is if he is looking past the fight or not taking Evanesian seriously or didn't have a good camp. And all those things can happen uh, mm-hmm. in boxing. But, 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 but looking at you know, where these two fighters are and their true talent level, I mean, I, I think this is kind of a mismatch. You know, a, a couple of things. It's, you know, Terrence Crawford's been out of his contract with top rank for some time now. It, it's a shame that it's been now over a year, and this is what we get here as his 2022 fight. Um, if this was early this year, I wouldn't have had much of a problem with it if I knew we were getting something else better down the, down the line. But uh, this now will mark uh, three consecutive years he's fought one time, 2020, 2021, and, and obviously yeah. this year. So that in itself, I'm very disappointed about. But I got to ask you this, Adam. In the six years we've, we've been doing this, did you ever think we'd be saying Terrence Crawford's going to be fighting on a app with a company known as Black Prime? Did you ever think we'd be murdering those, muttering those words here on the show? Did you ever <laughs> None of this. Yeah. This is. This feels like some kind of bizarro world. Like, 
And, and, and something else that also is very, very kind of ironic and odd is this is the most I've ever seen Terrence Crawford do any sort of promotion. And I can yeah. tell you from, from people there at top rank, he was an absolute pain to deal with when they had to do any sort of yep. promotion. He hated doing it, literally hated doing it. Um, and now he's kind of, I, I don't know if he feels like he's not chained up and he can talk a little bit more freely. I don't know, but he's, Literally any and everywhere trying to talk this up, um, you know, which is good for him. I mean, this is it's good for business at the end of the day. But all of this is just completely, it's utterly frustrating for me as a boxing fan because the business of boxing and the politics of boxing get in the way of so much. This is a clear yeah. thing here. I don't. I'm not going to go on a rant, and point fingers at anybody because, quite frankly, I don't care. What I do, what I am sick of, is sick of hearing the talk and the negotiations and who did this and who did that. You know, yeah. there's other boxers out there. Both these guys can face. If they, if you can't get the deal done, then okay, move on and let's find the next best opponent. And I don't feel that that is something that Terence Crawford did here. And I have to actually just say that, like this, this fight is a. I don't want to say it's a sham, but it's kind of a waste of time. Um, not for the people of Omaha, because let's think about it. What else are you going to do on a Saturday night in Omaha, uh, late December? Huskers aren't playing, and it's Omaha, so this does give them right. something to do. But otherwise, yeah. this this is this it, it feels pointless, and it just feels like a waste. And it feels like we're wasting Terrence Crawford's wasting his time, and you know I I, I can't say his prime per se because. Things that you said earlier this year in regards 35. to Terrence Crawford, he, he, you know, he's yeah, he's he's thirty five, and you're not at your peak anymore. I don't, I don't care how great of a fighter you think you are, you're naturally going to deteriorate. It's just, just, just how shit happens. And I, I don't know, man. It, it, this is one of those things to where Saturday night will be extremely frustrating, knowing that this is the fight we're getting from Terrence Crawford and not someone else of note, someone of a little bit more prestige. Um, and then the whole cycle will start all over again with the same talk about the same fighters that, at this rate, I don't think we're ever going to see. Like we're, we're just not, and, and that, that's the part that annoys me. So Saturday night, I think he'll have a very easy fight. I don't think he, you know, he'll may you know take a round or two to kind of toy around, see what Edavisian can or can't offer, uh, and I think he'll get him out of there under five. Uh, I, I just see that. Um, yeah, so that yeah. that's that's my frustrated take on it. I will say, I mean, I'm interested in seeing Chris Cyborg, who's a former uh, UFC champion in a Victor FC champion. She's a currently a Bellator MMA champion. Uh, she's fought Muay Thai. She fought one time down here in Brazil early this year in a professional boxing debut. It's her first time fighting in America doing boxing. Um, hell of a MMA fighter. Her boxing, eh. Um, you know, are interesting to see what she can do. Hopefully she gets on a wider stage and more people can see her. I know she's trying to angle for maybe a big fight with one of these female boxing champions now, who I think would absolutely destroy her. But if she can get the check, more power to her. But she is one of my favorite MMA fighters. So I am looking forward to at least seeing her box and, and pursue a dream that she wants to do. So that is the lone positive I can say about this card is she's getting to fight and I get to see her. So that's all I got. She's a good market. <laughs> She's a good marketing team. I've gotten a lot of stuff from from whoever's yeah. behind her. So yeah, um, you know, so that's good. Um, you know, there, there's a fight Arnold Kagai against uh, Eduardo Baez, which is kind of okay on an undercard. Um, but yeah, it's 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 disappointing on on a lot of levels. And um, you know, 
you know, you, I, listen, when we last talked about this, it was, I think, maybe September, I think we talked about this, and I was optimistic. I said there's three big fights on the table, you know, with Fury Joshua and Garcia and, and Tank Davis and uh, Spence and Crawford, and I felt we were going to get at least one and maybe two, and we got none. And, uh, of course, Tank Garcia may happen next year, and I still say may in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I never, you know, each of them has a fight. Shit happens in the ring. Um, injuries happen. Um, out of the ring happen. stuff happens. With books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shenanigans happen out of the ring. Um, you know, there's no guarantee of anything, um, other than they made an announcement that there is going to be an announcement. And, uh, you know, Tank also has a, uh, you know, Hector Luis Garcia is a is a is a decent opponent in January. Uh, that's not a, I mean that's a that's a real fight. So even if Tank mm-hmm. wins that fight, which I think most expect him to, it doesn't mean he's ready for a quick turnaround. You know, does he get injured in the fight? Does he take a mm-hmm. lot of punches? I mean, there's a lot that can go on um, between now and then. So I'm not I'm not doing any celebratory victory laps. It's been a very um, disappointing end of the year and. You know, if I didn't have uh, stuff going on in my life, I would have written about this. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I was optimistic that I thought the powers that be would, would figure out how to make a fight or two of these big fights. And, you know, boxing really is hurt by that. And then people are like, well, what are you talking about? There's still, you know, good fights in December. You know, I love the, the Frank Martin uh, Rivera fight. I love you know, uh, Ioka and Franco, there's still good fights in December, but the way that boxing works and the way that these companies make money is these big fights need to happen. Uh, the big fights make the world go round. They, they get everybody paid. They get the undercard fighters paid. They mm-hmm. get, um, you know, uh, attention and buzz put on the sport. They put boxing on the map, you know, for a couple nights a year where people are starting to care about the sport more than just the hardcore it is vital for the, the economic model, the health of the sport, for there to be a couple of big events a year. And we were deprived of that this year, and it does hurt the sport. I'm not going to say, you know, boxing will be dead and blah, 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 and all that stuff. It's just it hurts. It, it really does. These are signature fights that could do a whole lot to elevate these fighters, can elevate the sport, uh, can draw a lot of attention, and none of it has happened. And, um you know, it, it's it's really frustrating. Um, uh, you know, it's a failure on on many levels by many different promoters, by many different people, um, and it's it's a sad state of uh, how difficult it is right now to make big fights. Um, although we've gotten a lot of unification fights this year and undisputed, so I'm not going to say none of it's happened. Um, we we missed another opportunity for a big signature fight at the end of the year and. Um, you know, that's, that's bad for the sport. Yeah. You you know, you know, you hit it right on the head. We had no real marquee events that we can say, you know, that was, you know, we, we have boxing matches and we have events, you know, a Mayweather fight was an event. Certain Manny Pacquiao fights were events, certain Canelo fights or events. We didn't have that this year. And I know people say, well, we had Triple G, Canelo. Yeah, yeah, that was an event. That was 
look, I had I watched that in a damn movie theater. Okay, it, that fight lacked so much energy and buzz going into it. We didn't yeah. have that. The closest thing we had to that this year, and I'm going to say this, and I have to give them full credit because these ladies they put on a show yeah. and they fought their asses off, and that's Serrano and Taylor. And I never thought I would yeah. say something like that on the show. <laughs> it's the first time for everything in the six years of doing this. Go figure. But two ladies were the marquee event of boxing this year. That was our marquee event. And with it being women boxers, it feels like it doesn't get that same buzz and energy like it would a, you know, like I said, a Canelo or if we would have got Spence Crawford this year. Those two ladies did what needed to be done for boxing, but that was early in this year. And now, you know, we've now to this back half of the year, we haven't had another thing to piggyback, piggyback off of that. They have another have, had another big fight amongst the two of them to piggyback off that momentum. And, and boxing carries off of momentum. And it feels like when we hit, you know, January 1st of next year, we're going to have to hit the reset button to kind of try to do this all over again and kind of build that momentum back up. Yes, there are some good fights that are possibly lined up, but none still feel like marquee events. And I completely agree with you. I have zero confidence, Taylor, not Taylor, uh, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia fight. Either it's going to be an injury or somebody's going to fuck up outside the ring. I'm telling you now, if it happens, I will be shocked. I won't believe it until the opening bell and they're in the ring. I just don't see it happen. Um, so that's where we're at with boxing right now. And that's what makes me, you know, as media frustrated as a boxing fan, number one, extremely frustrated. And it's, yeah, it, 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 all it does is raise my blood pressure. It pisses me off. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's where we're at. You know, we did have that marquee event here this year that we needed besides Taylor Serrano and then nothing to really carry us on the second half of the year. Nothing has happened now. What happens next year, I, I don't 100% know. Um, I was going to kind of be kind of my, my thing here is, is, you know, the back half of the show is kind of a crystal ball and look at things, but I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with boxing. I, I ju- truly and honestly don't. Um, are there fights that I think are going to happen that are going to make sense? Yes. I did see a, a, a tweet from Caleb Plant. looks like it's going to be March for him and David Benavidez. I'll be honest, you know, as I end the show and I'll go on my sabbatical, if that's the fight we're going to get in March, that'll be the fight that's actually going to pull me out of retirement. So I know people are going to yeah. say that fight, but that fight, because that's a fight I've been waiting for for years. Um, yeah. That it, Granted, it's not marquee per se to a lot of people, but I think it would help boxing go in the right direction. We're still waiting on Charlo and Tim Zhu to get made official. When is that going to happen? It, it's it, it, a lot of stuff is just frustrating because it just seems like people are holding, you know, holding the ball for whatever reason, holding things up, and it doesn't make sense to us fight fans and to us in media. It, it yeah. Well, let me just stop. I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet this week from Delahoya who, you know, for a long time he had a reputation of Mark matching his guys tough. And it's clear that he's pulled back the reins from Munguia. It's clear that Ryan Garcia turned down some fights. And so, you know, Shakur Stevenson was like, all right, I'll fight William Zapata. You know, like Shakur's like, I want to move up to lightweight and Zapata's a tough guy. Like I'm giving him, a, I'm going to move an offer and, you know, Oscar says, well, we need a couple more fights to build the pay. I'm like, well, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it's like, you know, he does well against Stevenson, and that's building. You have 
You'd have enormous eyeballs in that fight. Um, what else are you going to give him at 135 right now? What are you, what are you going to give him for the next year or so uh, until, you know, you got to – so it's very odd. I mean, I know that their zone contract is, is important to them and they want to not loan out fighters. I know they have loaned out fighters in the past for certain fights. Um, but it's like you're never going to face parity with – what are they going to hope for, like some joint pay-per-view show with Williams Zapata and Stevenson? I mean, Stevenson yeah. draws tremendous ratings on ESPN. Like, Zapata, us like him. I mean, he has no following. Um, you know, he's, he's never really headlined a, a big event in, in America. And, you know, he's a good fighter. I like him a lot. I think Zapata's great. But, you know, it's like, what are you doing here? You know, like, like stop holding these guys back. Let I'm sure Zapata wants to fight Stevenson. I have no doubt in my mind that he wants that fight. You know, it's like, what's the point? Yeah, it, 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 it is very odd. And then the whole Hami Magia thing, you know, Hami Magia's career is just, it, it's, it's been a way. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of throw some things out to you here, Adam, as we, you know, this be our yeah. last time here, you know, is doing the show, at least in this entity. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions about some fighters and some things. And I'll actually, will these happen first, whether my return or the actual event with the fighter? So I'm going to start with Hami Mangia. Hami Mangia fights a top 15 ranked guy. Does that happen first, or will I actually return to podcasting first? <laughs> well, you know, then we have to talk about who's top 15. You know, is it a ring top 15? Is it a. A sanctioning body, top 15. Uh, I'm sure he could find somebody in a sanctioning body who's a top 15 somewhere. Uh, oh, okay. So, I'll, I'll maybe narrow it down like this. A top, because we do what, top 10 there for uh, transnational. Yeah. So we'll maybe go, you know, top 15 amongst either ring. No matter of fact, Kami was ranked what, number one, or was the eliminator for what, the WBO and for the WBC? Anyone in the top 15 amongst the WBO or WBC, do you see him fighting someone of note? or for a championship before I come back to podcasting? No, you'll be coming back to podcasting. There's <laughs> just so few right. people at middleweight, so few people at middleweight right now that that even remotely move the needle. So he's not going to be fighting Janibek. Um I mean, if I, he, I'm gonna, I, I know the Charlo fight. I'm going to be honest with you, though. There before. Yeah. You know what the fight that may actually end up happening that didn't happen before? It's going to be him and Triple G because – Well, he's, he's been wanting that fight for four or five years. I mean, the question is, Triple G is also 40, and, you know, they're not in a rush to necessarily no. have Triple G be in that type of fight. Um, yeah, he wants that fight, but, um, you know, takes two a tango. And uh, and if the zone wants to fork up the money. Yeah. So, I, I think you'll be. I think you'll be back. I think you'll be back podcasting before. <laughs> okay, then I'll throw out the other one for you here. Then, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence actually have a signed contract. What happens first? That happening or me returning to podcasting? You return to podcasting. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's easily easily done. Um, this one actually, I think, is going to be intriguing because I, I I think this actually may actually. May happen before, but I I may be wishful thinking. A former MTK Global Fighter is actually able to fight in America. That happens first. <laughs> or me coming back to podcasting. Who are we coming back to podcasting? 
<laughs> you know, until they find Daniel, that's yeah, they yeah. But hey, it, it's wishful thinking. Um, Deontay Wilder actually has another fight. What well, does that happen first to mm. me coming back to podcasting? Mm. Mm. Well, that could be around the same time, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I could see that happening in April or May. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. the Ruiz fight is going to happen. Um, now there are some other scenarios where you know, I just don't, I just don't see the 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 willingness of if Joshua and Wilder couldn't fight when there was so much money on the table, I can't see them fighting now with less money on the table. Um, True, it's still a big fight, but it's not a hundred million fight. Um, I think the Ruiz fight happens. Uh, I think it probably happens April or May. Um, I don't know when you're going to be coming back in podcasting, but I could see it kind of almost contemporaneously. I, I think that's a, that's a fair bet. I think that's a fair push. Uh, kind of a random one. Coach Larry gets unsuspended from Twitter. Does that happen first or me actually returning back to podcasting? Which, by the way, none of us know, including Larry, why he got suspended. I he has no clue. Ivory. I reached out to him, and he said he has no idea what he did, um, especially in this new era of Twitter where free speech is now allowed. Um, I know that he's taken a lot of, like, ad hominem attacks against Dusty Baker, of all people. <laughs> Coach Larry apparently has a lot of personal animosity to the Houston Astros baseball manager, Dusty Baker. Like, has said some really, like, Crazy, like there's no other word than ad hominem attacks on Dusty <laughs> Baker. Now I doubt that Dusty Baker has reported Larry over this, but I'm trying to think like of all of the insulting things. You know, so Larry used to do the whole women crying in public thing that was gone years ago. Unless that kind of somebody, because that's there's something there that he did that was. But yeah, the only thing I could think about is like maybe Dusty Baker's son Darren Baker reported him. Um, you know, some some Houston Astros uh, uh, fan took offense Dusty Baker uh, to, to to Larry's uh, animosity towards him. I honestly don't know. I, I I asked him. I said, "What did you do?" He said, "I don't know." I said, "Are you going to come back?" He said, "No." And, you know, it's a shame. Coach Coach has been uh, uh, one of my favorite folks on Twitter. He's a good boxing fan and uh, great for a laugh and a drink and um, or many drinks and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I got. I, I mean, we didn't do our Vegas show, and we may have to do this if we, we we ever come back and do this in the future. You know, I have such a like. Re, you know, it's like I had to stop hanging out with him when I'd go to Vegas for fights because I realized that there are some people that go to boxing weekends where it's like some people are there to see the boxing, and then some people are there for the weekend. And mm-hmm. Larry is in the, that, that second category where it's like, well, if he happens to pass out during the fight, he doesn't care. Uh, but he's not going to, like, let anything come between him and his drinking. Um, and I realized that I'm there to see the boxing. And if I hang out and, you know, uh, you know catch up with people afterwards, so, be it. so I realized that our, our priorities were a little different. Uh, so as much as I love Coach, I realized that I couldn't really hang out with him until after fight night. I, I would like a, agree. Because there's a there's a terrible there's a terrible picture of the two of us from, <laughs> I guess it was Kovalev Ward One out in Vegas where 
this is probably like two in the morning on that Saturday night afterwards. And like, man, to say like between the two of us, like, I don't think I've ever looked paler in my life. You know, I, I, I couldn't even tell you like, you know, like we, we just, we just weren't looking great at that moment. I don't know why we agreed to have anybody take a picture of us. Uh, it was not, uh, um, it was not us at our best. I will say I can definitely agree with you, like not hanging out with him before a fight because he definitely shaved uh, some time off my life hanging with him the Friday uh, before mm. Ramirez Taylor last year um, to where I, honest to God, I don't remember getting back to my hotel room and I didn't eat anything yeah. that whole night. It was, it was a blur. And uh, I also lost him at some juncture uh, that Friday. So um, I, it, he was back to normal Saturday night there to fight, which I still don't understand how he was able to do it, but he was able to do it. But yeah, definitely shaved yeah, some just, time I off just, of my life. I just checked to make sure he makes it back to Wisconsin on the Sunday uh, or mm-hmm. the Monday, and uh, just to, just to check in because you never know. Uh, but to this point, yeah, he has each time, so that's good. But yeah, he, he's he's quite a character. Um, so, um, you have in, in this category or no? You, you hit the main one. Yeah, I, I think those are the main ones here. And you know, we I, I know we definitely wanted to talk about the uh, the Hall of Fame, uh, the classic yeah. announced here today, and uh, heavy top rank influence. Uh, a part of that yeah. and one Sir Carl Froch, uh, which I oh, saw somebody yeah. tweet that it was headlined by Tim Bradley. I'm thinking I don't know if Carl Froch wants to read that because. He's gonna no, say he's no, headlining no. it, but you know, neither here nor there. I love I love Broch. I enjoyed him. I've seen him live a couple of times when he fought in America in the World Boxing Super Series. Um uh you know, he had a lot of fans in England, but they also hated him. You know, he was, he was a very controversial figure there because he has a big ego and, and is very impressed with himself. He has an American attitude. I feel like if he was an American, you know, like he, I think Americans just kind of got Frotch better than the English, you know, because he wasn't humble. He didn't do that whole, you know, we're we're good sports and, you know, we're just, you know, he hated his opponents, you know, and, and he, you know, he had no problem saying it. And and he he had a chip on his shoulder and nothing was given to him and he was angry about it and, you know, he made grandiose statements and was a trash talker. And I just felt like he had a very American attitude as opposed to like the, you know, the loyal, the British good, good boy, the good lad, you know, the, the guy who, who that, that's how they like their fighters humble and all that crap. And, you know, he, he, he just decided that's not me. And, uh, and he was not for everybody. A lot of people wanted to see him lose. Uh, he made a lot of money. He said some ridiculous things. He blamed one of his losses on a volcanic ash cloud. Uh, that's why he lost to Kessler the first time because his fans couldn't travel over because of a volcano. Um, you know, he didn't take losing well. He didn't lose a lot. Uh, he 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 did um, get justice over Kessler in the rematch. You know, lost to Andre Ward, which is no no crime in that. Won a couple rounds. Um, very good fighter, though. Much more than the sum of his parts. Um, he had that the couple of amazing turnarounds where Jermaine Taylor fight. Even the Groves one fight where he was down big. I know the stoppage sucked, but 
Howard Foster, thanks again. But, um, <laughs> you know, he did he did come back after being, you know, listen, he, he I enjoyed him a lot. He, the, the Butte performance was so memorable. He, yes. he you know, he, he gave a lot of good nights in the ring. He gave that the that Taylor fight was was warrior shit. You know he was, I mean to say that he didn't even look like he belonged in the same ring with Taylor in the first six rounds of that fight. I mean, you know he was this no name guy from England who Taylor was trying to pick up a a belt from and fuck. I mean you know he was dropped early and he looked done and and he just somehow kept coming back and coming back and gets the twelfth round stoppage and. You know, he, he he was a smart guy in the ring, too. I mean, he, he, he had some good game plans. And him and Rob McCracken, who recently worked with Anthony Joshua, was, was I thought they had a great partnership together. I love Frotch. I love Bradley, too. Um, Bradley, they used to joke that they call my site Saturday Night Bradley because I was uh, such a huge fan of his. Uh, he was the first interview <laughs> I ever did uh, for a fighter. Uh, I called him up or, or texted him out of nowhere and, you know, uh, uh, you know, did an interview. I remember I had strep throat and, and, and was really sick that week. And, you know, he, he gave me 30 or 40 minutes. This is before he fought um, Pacquiao ever. I mean, this is right after he signed with top rank. And uh, he was very humble. And I think Bradley's one of those guys who got the most out of his talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Was not given a big contract going pro. Was with Thompson Boxing for a long time. Then was with Gary Shaw and you know, he he made himself into a Hall of Famer. It wasn't like that was in the cards for him. He he just, you know, he beat guys. He beat a lot of good fighters, and um, uh, and he didn't have a big punch, but he believed in himself. You know, aggressive and rough, and uh, had so many great fights in the ring. Um, you know, the Provodnikov fight was one of the signature fights of the 2010s. That was one of the best fights. Um. You know, it was it was incredible, and you know he beat. You know he he he, he took Devin Alexander's O. He took Lamont Peterson's O. You know he uh, he had he had a lot of good wins. Um, the only person he couldn't really beat in a real way was Pacquiao, although he did get a decision over him. But you know, I, I that's fine. You know he he um, he was a really good fighter, Bradley. He. Uh, I think the one guy he didn't get was Mayweather. I think he really wanted Mayweather. Didn't get that fight. Um, not sure he would have won that, but I'm sure he would have loved the opportunity. Um, uh, but he, he made himself into a two-division champion and beat a lot of good guys without a punch, without a big punch. And he was just a tough, bruising guy and um, had a lot of self-belief and you know, got out of the game at a good time. You know, he, he realized that uh, he took a lot of shots later in his career. The um, the Provodnikov fight was really rough. The third Pacquiao fight, he got dropped a couple times. And, you know, he he had seen some effects of it. And um, he made some good money. And I think he's really good for the most part as a commentator now on, on ESPN. I, I look forward to him. And Mm-hmm. I've really liked how he's taken that part of his life seriously. He's not just in it for the paycheck or the gig. I think he's really good. Um, lots of like with him. I think he did everything the right way. I, I really, you know, respected him and um, uh, had a hell of a career. I, I, I can't say enough about him. And the to also uh, 
say the other people who also were inducted or are going to be inducted here next year, uh, Rafael Marquez. Um, yeah, great fighter. Great fighter. Uh, some female fighters here. We've got a- uh, Alicia Ashley out of Jamaica, who I'm, I'm sorry I'm not familiar with. Uh, Laura Serrano uh, out of Mexico. We also have matchmaker here for top rank, Brad Goodman, uh, trainer Joe Goosen. Uh, also, uh, Brad Jacobs, who also is an executive for top rank. Um, Seth Abram, who's a broadcaster. Tim Ryan uh, in the observer no, Seth, category. Seth Abraham, was, Seth Abraham was actually the head of HBO boxing in the eighties and nineties. Uh, ah. So he was the number one, he was the number one guy at HBO. I guess you can call it broadcaster, but he wasn't really behind the mic. He was more of an executive. And, you know, when HBO was at its prime, Seth Abraham was number one and Lou DiBella was number two behind them. You know, they had a tremendous, Ross Greenberg was there. Seth really was, when I think HBO was at its absolute best in its late eighties and nineties, uh, that was that was Seth, Seth Abraham and uh, tremendous executive and um, uh, that was when HBO really was the place to be for boxing. I mean that was the glory years and, uh, and that was Seth. So so good recognition for him. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy, you know. You say that in glory years, a lot has changed in the six years we've done this. Like mm-hmm. the the streaming apps are a thing. Uh, HBO Boxing's no longer a thing. Uh, PBC mm-hmm. is still around, and I, I, it's, there's always question marks about it. There's question marks about Showtime. Showtime Network as a whole, and I'm not just talking about Showtime Boxing. Showtime Network as a whole may fold, and you may see it be completely blended in with uh, uh, um, what was it Paramount Plus. So it's a lot of things that have changed over these six years, and. I just kind of was thinking about that in retrospect. Like, it's been a lot of shit in boxing that's not the same when I started this. Like, this is – I can't say it's weird, but it's just it, – it, just in hindsight and looking at things, it's a lot of stuff that I just don't think I would have believed six years ago would have happened. Like, if you would have told me streaming apps are going to be where everything is at, and like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see them leaving yeah, network yeah. television but, like but, that. And it is. But also, look, look how many fights are available. I mean, you know, every weekend we're getting cards from all over the world, and in many ways, it's never been better time to follow boxing. Yeah. Um, so that's great. But I agree with you. I mean, I never would have thought going back to HBO for a second. I mean, the writing was on the wall. There was a long decline. Um, yeah. It was still sad and shocking when they pulled the plug because HBO had such a run where they had probably a good 15 to 20 year run, let's say from towards the late eighties, towards the, you know, Oh five, Oh six, Oh seven, Oh eight, where they were still really running at full speed where they were the, they, they were the game, you know, they were, that was the creme de la creme. I mean, they were the best. And um, uh, so, you know, there's been a lot of bad mergers and acquisitions. I mean, I've been following what Discovery has been doing to HBO. This is mm. after what AT&T did to HBO. And it's just sad. Uh, you know, just, I mean, as someone who went to business school and got an MBA, and you look at all these failed mergers and acquisitions and how they're not really serving, um, you know, the – I don't even know who's making out well. I mean, because they're doing tons of write-offs and layoffs and, uh, you know, the value that's purported in the deal isn't being there and they're cutting aspects of, you know, these services that 
you know, people have a lot of brand loyalty towards HBO, and they're just hacking away at it. Um, it's a shame. You know, there's a lot of good people there. They loved their boxing when they were uh, really at their prime, and, um, you know, it's sad what, what happened there. Um, but, you know, you, 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 boxing's on ESPN more than it was, you know, at least higher caliber boxing. Um you have streaming, you know, it's, it's, it's around now. It's still around. And, um, yeah, when you, I mean, I know I did a, a, de- a 10 year piece when I was well, 10 years of writing for my site, I guess it was 21. And, uh, you know, you, you start to kind of understand some of those changes a little bit. And, you know, some of the people who were really intimate in the sport 10 years ago, some of the big insiders are no longer insiders the people who become insiders uh, you know, this goes to executives, promoters, writers, you know, look at some of who are some of the big writers 10 years ago and what they're doing now. And, uh, you know, a lot's changed and um, some of that's natural and some of it has been unforeseen. Um, I guess shout out to Steven Espinoza and Showtime. I think they've been keeping a pretty good product for the most part. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Paramount and their corporate overloads and, you know, uh, some of their, who knows, you know, but, but, but he, he's been a good executive there. Um, you know, Fox has retreated from their deal. They pretty much have just been doing pay-per-views this year. Um, who knows, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of changes and, you know, some of it has been very good and some of it is not. So it, it's been a mixed bag in my opinion. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of kind of crazy to think about, you know, the, the stuff like that. You you I don't want to say you get misty-eyed, but you you kind of look in retrospect of all that's kind of come and gone in that time frame and it's like 6 years isn't a long time if you think about it, but in in sports in general, not just even in boxing sports in general, that's an eternity. That's so much time, so many different seasons um you know, where things change and what have you and it's just it's just crazy, but um I do want to take the time out here before we kind of wrap things up or go anything else to kind of get a little bit of clarification. And, and, you know, I said, you know, playing the game of when I may return it and what have you. So let me say this, Adam and I will do something again in the future where it'll be at. I have no idea. I have no clue. Um, As time permits with Adam having, you know, his growing family, Family will always come first. Boxing will come second, and that's in both of our households. So we will do something at some juncture again together in 2023. Where it'll yeah. be, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll worry about it then. So, you know, well, this is a goodbye, at least on the platform. This isn't a goodbye forever. Right, I'm right. mad at Adam. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Adam right, has no done personal, nothing wrong. <laughs> no personal, no personal animosity no, here. No, yeah, none yeah. of that kind of stuff. It was just I – I, I need a break and I need to get away from the platform that I'm on because it's it's not it, it sucks. Let me let, let me go on that quick rant. Blog Talk Radio sucks. They suck it hard and deep, and I'm very frustrated with them as a whole. That's one of the main reasons I'm leaving. But I just also just need a break. I feel like I'm I'm mentally a little bit worn down from doing this, and I'll even yeah. go more into it next week's show. But I just wanted to give that clarification. Me and Adam are not. Well, there's no beef. There's no problems. No uh, nothing like no that. Beef. Adam, I, I love Adam like family. Adam has, you, you came on, I reached out to you and said, hey, you want to do the show? And you've been here with me at least once a month 
the last six plus years now, because it's been six years in October, you've taken out that time out of your personal life to do that. And I can't thank you enough. And I'm trying not to get choked up as I'm saying this. That's what I'm doing a little bit (laughs) before we wrap it up that I appreciate you. And I I truly and honestly love you for that. Um, And and let me say this as well. Me and Adam have actually never met in person, people. This has all been through (laughs) social media. So this also can show social media can actually be a good thing and a good tool for people and a good networking tool and not a, a source for evil. Um, but this is how we connect it, and we will eventually also, meet in person. We're also not against meeting, though. That's not a yeah. rule. Like, we're not against meeting in person. <laughs> it's just, it just hasn't worked out that way yet. It will, and that may yeah. be something I may yeah. put officially on the 2023 bucket list of – I'm meeting Adam somewhere for a fight again. It may be a little bit more strenuous for you. You have to. You have a family. You have a growing family now. So we'll always get that figured out and get the logistics with we'll, that. But we'll, we'll I just want up. to. Yeah, I just want to take the time out and say thank you, Adam. Like literally, from I got, the I honest you, bottom of my heart, thank you. I, I, you know, I was going to try and write a little something about that, and I, I also didn't know like how, you know. I don't know if we're never going to do anything again or anything like that. I, I, I just, so I didn't, I didn't know, like, it's not necessarily like finality or something like that, but, it, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as things go. You know, there are a couple of shows to me that I remember being really important to me uh, personally, which were, I think, a lot of the pandemic shows. Uh, when I think about early in um, 2020, uh, when there was no boxing and life sucked and, you know, we continued to do shows and we continued to talk about, you know, what made us excited about the sport or, you know, what was, uh, it was something to look forward to and to kind of, you know, get some normality back into life and some life almost, you know, it was just such a terrible mm-hmm. time of uncertainty and, you know, depression of, you know, is the world ending? You know, what is the world going to be like? You know, what is this? Nobody was going out. Everybody was home. Everybody was talking to their friends only remotely. I mean, it was just a very, I don't think people have really fully come to grips with that. I think we're, we're now out of it. And it was a very tough time, very unusual time. And, um, I just remember a couple of those shows were really um, good and therapeutic and important to me, you know, to, you know, connect, you know, have, you know, I listen, you you have such a great um, sense of humor and outlook on life and, you know, you have a lightness to you, which I always enjoyed, you know, and, and, and it was a very, those are really important shows to me. And, you know, as much as the other stuff of, you know, fun interviews or good times or, uh, you know, good fight picks or just stuff like I really kept coming back to those, those four shows we did where, you know, there was no boxing, there was no anything happening, but we, you know, we talked about stuff that we wanted to, you know, it was just, it was just a way to, you know, keep connections and to, to, you know, keep our heads above water and, you know, you know, remind ourselves that, you know, there is some degree of life and things that used to make us happy and things that gave us pleasure and, 
So those shows in particular, I, I really liked. And, you know, thank you for, for going through and keeping, you know, your show during almost all of that. I mean, that was, um, that was a, that was a, a tough time. And so of all the other good things and, and, and great rants and, you know, fun shit we did and, and, you know, good times, it really has been good. And, you know, drop calls and, you know, <laughs> te- technological issues oh, and God. shit like that. But, yeah. um, I, 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 those ones, those shows, I think in 2020 were really, I think the ones that I'll look back on and say, you know what, I needed this. This was important to me, you know, like this, you know, this connection, the bond, the, the, the laughs, you know, the, uh, so I want to thank you, you know, for all of that, but, but in particular, I, I think that was a very, um, important moment, I think in my life. And, uh, I'm really happy that we that you stuck with it and we were able to do that. So, yes, there's no beef, and um, uh, I don't know if I'll be have a chance to write something more about it because I, I it's not like goodbye and you know uh, you know per, personally I don't know like I, I'm playing around with some things for next year. Not that I have anything to announce, but I, I I realize that I may not be able to write as much as I was or would like to. So I may want to do some other things. I don't know what that means. You know, I, I don't know, but but I I know that you know I'm sure I could always pick up the phone and call you, and you could always pick up the phone and call me, and I like that relationship, and I'm sure our, we're going to be doing some stuff together in the future, one way or the other. So um, yeah, not a goodbye, but I've really enjoyed. This has been great. I've really looked forward to so many of these, and. Uh, been uh it's been a blast it really has been so thank you very much Grant. again man i i can't thank you enough and the positive feedback we were getting the feedback we get just in general um you know people love the the back and forth and decorum we have uh, amongst each other which you know i think i've gotten people say well do you guys talk about this stuff beforehand no literally we talk maybe two to three minutes before the show starts like people don't i don't think people realize that it's like there's really no quote-unquote show prep there's uh, a basic guideline of what the show will be, and that's the preview that's put out when I tweet out the show and, and what have you, and that's the same thing Adam gets, and then we just say, okay, what order we want to go in? Boom, and and that's the show, and we've been able to do so much free-flowing with that and almost think what the other is saying and say it before they can, and, and that's, again, nothing's rehearsed, but that's just kind of why we've gelled and this has clicked and worked so well. And, and again, I, I can't thank the listeners enough for the, the positive yeah, feedback. And, and thank you also to the, the Saturday boxing community on Facebook, who you've allowed me to, when I've had guests on the show, be able to, uh, to send out a message. Hey, if you got any questions for them, you know, put them here. You know, I'll try my best to answer them. Got some great questions for fighters uh, that I've interviewed here on the show. So I, I appreciate them as well. And I want to definitely give that, uh, you know, set of people a a shout out, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, again, I'm trying to get choked up because it's not it's not it's not that it's over over, it's just over here on Block Top Radio. That's the best way of describing. Yeah. It's just it's just done here. But uh, yeah. I'm gonna do one more show next week, maybe one after that, but definitely one next week for the simple fact of because I, I got to talk about this guy before we go because he'll fight. Next week, my guy in a way fights. Now, I will say this: Adam, yeah. in a way, is the lone boxer that I have left on my bucket list that I have to see in person. 
Yeah. Whether or not that'll happen, I got robbed of that during the pandemic when he was supposed to fight in, in, in Vegas. I'm still extremely bitter about that and will never let that go. But he does fight next uh, was it Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday morning here for us in the States. So before we go, I definitely want to kind of talk about that um, right quick, that uh, he's facing Paul Butler. It is a unification bout. This may be the better question to ask because I, I think we, we know the answer to this of who's going to win. It's just going to be how brutal will it be. Does Paul Butler stand any chance of making it past six rounds? No. <laughs> I think that's the consensus thinking. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets him out of there in one just because it is in a way. But I think it goes at least three, but I don't see it past that. Um, but something I'm definitely looking forward to because he is an exciting fighter. And for, for all the fans, if you listen to the show, you'll be able to watch that Tuesday morning through ESPN+. Plus. Uh, check your uh, time zone or what time it will air where you live at. I'll get up early, and I'll just work half-ass sleep on Tuesday morning. But I'm watching that fight. But I want to throw that in there before I forgot since that does the, actually happen the over before. should be. The over under should be something like two and a half rounds for that fight, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting that either way. No, um, uh, <laughs> seeing a fight in Japan is actually on my bucket list, and uh, um, that will be something that will happen at some point, uh, somehow. I, that will that is on my bucket list. So that that needs to be planned and. You can't just hop over to Japan for a fight, but that no. is in my bucket list. I'd love to love to be over there for one of these uh, New Year's Eve shows. Uh, you, know, you know, man, seeing Ioka and Franco New Year's Eve, and then spending, you know, New Year's in Tokyo. I mean, that'd be pretty fucking cool. Um, uh, so we'll see. You know, I don't see it happening anytime in the immediate future, but you never know. Um, I was really pissed because before. Before COVID started, uh, you remember when Eddie Hearn was doing those um, uh, cars in Monte Carlo every year in Monaco? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you'd, you'd do those big those big cards. So I was actually going to go to the 2020 one. I got an invite uh, to go to Monte Carlo for a 2020 boxing. I talked to her. She's like, you got to go. She's like, you got to go. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go. It's going to be in like June of that year. Um, uh, I, I mean, that would have been an experience. That would have been something amazing, um, but didn't happen. So that that would have been pretty. I mean, we've all had our uh, didn't happen list, you know, things that almost happened and would have been. Well, that was on my one of my did not happen list. It's a shame. Someone's like, "Yep, I'll get you an in." You know, blah blah blah. Just get here and you'll be fine. Like the wear tux. I'm like, okay, I can do all those things. <laughs> But no, it didn't happen. Wow. Yeah, that that would have – yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see the frustration with that one. Yeah, that, like that would have been be a... Monte, it's, not, it, it's not like I would have been in Monte Carlo in, like, the normal course of events, right? You know, it's not like uh, my lifestyle takes me to Monte Carlo. And, you know. that's, uh, that is something else. Wow, that's – oof. I, I would, I would, that would still kind of – that would irritate me a little bit still. I, I would openly admit, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit kind of oh, tough way to go, tough way to go. But, um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, oof, damn. 
I'm complaining about not seeing in a way in Vegas. You could have went to Monte Carlo. I, I, I think, yeah, you, you, you definitely got me on that one. Um, wow. Well, listen, wow. It, you know, it, whatever, you know, like shit happens. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, whatever. We'll, we'll, this is a separate show uh, in the future of, like, you know, shit, if we were 10 years older, we would have done differently you know, in terms of our opinions and a way of dealing with boxing and covering boxing. I feel like we both uh, have learned things. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, uh, we've been slow to learn some things. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think that would be an interesting show at some point of, uh, you know, if I was to talk, I get I get hit up by a lot of young writers, Um both here in England, you know, how do you start? You know, what am, I'm interested in covering. What are your advice? Blah, 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 blah. Well, if there was a guy I could sit down for like a few hours and tell like, here, here are about two or three things not to do. Because uh, I did a couple of those things. Um, I think I think I could definitely pass some of that advice along. I, I honestly think that, you know what, you, you saying that kind of got the, the wheels churning. I think that may be something we definitely take into account and something we may honestly kind of maybe map out next year. And maybe even in our, our first whatever we do next thing is we tell people kind of how we got started, maybe kind of give them the brief history and then what not yeah. to do. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, this is this landscape is steadily changing. And I think we kind of both got into it at the time to where, we were evolving with it. We weren't a part of the old, you know, right. brigade of, of boxing writers and what have you. But uh, we're also not totally too old to not be what, what these new guys are doing. But these new guys are doing some stuff that I don't totally agree with, but they're doing it for clicks. But definitely something I think we could give um, a tutorial on and, and explaining to people what does and doesn't work and what can be successful and what can't be successful in doing this and building relationships and building those bonds. Because me and you both, I, I think we can both attest to this. In doing this, we've built some phenomenal relationships with people in boxing that yeah. people really don't, that we don't, you know, we don't push that out there and brag about it and all that because that's just weird. But we both have connections to where if we needed something, like really needed something in box, we could reach out to them. Like I, we, we both have people yeah. in our cell phones. We can call like, Hey, quick question for you. Can I get a quote on something? Like, mm-hmm. th- it's important to build those. And I think that's something a lot of people don't totally get, but something that could be explained to them. So oh, well, Adam, I, I think you've right just, too. I think you've just triggered something here in my head. And it's not, it's not, it's not all bad. I mean, we've done some good things too, but, um, yeah. You know, um, done some bad things too. <laughs> uh, you know, so be it. And uh, but anyway, um, yeah. You know, we'll figure it out. We will be talking, I'm sure, again soon. And wish you, uh, 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 you know, good holidays for you and your family. And uh, I'm always going to be following along on Twitter. You hearing Brandon banking stories and. Uh, <laughs> Other which, good stuff that's that's happening, which are only getting crazier. All right, Brand, I gotta tell you this: you're getting some cachet in the world. When I said that, someone asked me why is Brandon 
uh, you know, taking a hiatus. I said, you know, the, the weekly grind was kind of getting to him. And so then the guy says, does he, does he have too many commitments on TMZ? And, you know, is that interfering with this? I'm like, Brandon is big time now. He is big time. You know, I didn't say a freaking thing about this. So, obviously, you know, your uh, success in that, in that endeavor is catching on. But he said, yes, this, this commitment to TMZ too much. And I could have just let that say, yeah, that's what it is. But, but I, I, I just said, I, I don't know. Uh, no, no, not, 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 not so much, you know, but, uh, well, I, nice I appreciate ego boost, hey, right? yeah. yeah. Hey, that, 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 that made my day. I, I, that's, that's pretty damn dope. Uh, no, 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 nothing like that. I mean, it's just like, like you said, it's just the grind and I'm just going to take some time off, get, get recharged and, um, and, and kind of hit it again strong in, in 2023. So like, like we've all, like we said here, and this is kind of a recurring theme here with this show is, this is not a goodbye. This is just literally a see you later on somewhere else. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely that. But uh, I don't have much of anything else. I'll go on one more rant here come next week. And like I said, that'll more than likely be the last one because I kind of want to close things up here with Terrence Crawford and in a way and uh, some closing thoughts. But uh, the floor is all yours here in the last 10 minutes we have here at the show. If there's anything else you want to say, and obviously – we want to make sure people go to SaturdayNightBoxing.com. Granted, it may not be a ton there anymore as your, you know, life is catching up to you with your family. But this past week's article was, I mean, was amazing. And uh, as I've always said, when you're not here, I said you're a phenomenal writer, and that's that's well, part got, of the I reason some, why you're here. I got some really good feedback from it. You know, um, very well read article, and uh, it was basically about the Dubois Lorena. Um, uh, fight and you know it was another situation where you know I got a lot of there were there were some people who said things to me on the record you know about the you know what had happened but I, I got a lot of nice notes from people involved off the record um, you know from people I hadn't known and uh, you know um, as I said there, there were bigger profile things to write about but um, I, I also find it hard through 2022 there were there just weren't as many fights or things that in boxing that were particularly uh gravitating towards me in terms of i must write about this so um you know some of it has definitely been you know i have a second child and i'm moving later this month and we're doing all this you know within five weeks and it's just been crazy um but a lot of it also is there has been, there hasn't been like the big fights. There hasn't been like, I don't think there's been many truly great fights this year. I mean, I think there's been a couple that I will remember. I don't think this has been, I think this has been okay. 2022. Like if we were doing, you know, I'll do an awards piece, you know, uh, coming up and I don't do it, but this isn't a year that I'm going to look back and say, wow, what a year. Um, this is going to be a year where there's been some good stuff, but you know, um, so it's been, it's been frustrating. So, so that fight, I really wanted to, that occurrence is something I really wanted to write about what happened with Dubois and Lorena. And, you know, I'm not always here to look for the bad in the sport. Um, I love writing good things about the sport. It's just, I just felt like that needed additional attention and and that was something that I couldn't sit by and watch, you know, and not say anything. I I said, I can't believe Howard Foster is going to force me 
to get out of my hiatus for writing. Howard freaking Foster. You know, that's why, that's the guy who's going to get me to, to start writing again. This, this freaking guy. But, uh, this is life, you know, um, and that's why we watch. You never know, you know, the, the controversial, the, the sublime, the amazing fights, the amazing performances, the, the, the stuff that, um, you know, there's, you never know. You never know. I mean, we had talked about Bradley Provodnikov earlier. Nobody thought that that was going to be a fight of the year. Nobody thought that that was going to be one of the best fights of the decade. You know, it was an in-between fight for Bradley. Nobody expected that. You know, and, and you watch, you know, the, the zapata Branchek fight from, uh, that was a year ago or two years ago. I mean, nobody thought that was going to be what it was. I mean, it was like, okay, I like this matchup. It's interesting. I like it. But, you know, you never know when you see something incredible. And so that's why we watch the fights. And we hope that there's something that inspires us and, you know, connects us to the sport and, you know, reaffirms our commitment to covering it. And that could be good or bad. But, um, you know, I guess it's just the worst one. It's just you're indifferent about shit. Like, it's the same shit but it's just shit. Um, so at least, um, you know, I guess this was shit this weekend, but this was shit that was uh, really stanky shit. So I had to, I had to write about that stanky shit. Um, but yeah, so I wrote about that. I guess the last thing I wrote about was um, uh, Beevil's uh, performance, um, you know, over, over Gilberto Ramirez, which I thought was, Stunningly good. Um, uh, you know, what a year that guy's had. Um, I can't say that I saw that coming. Uh, I did, you know what's funny? I, I did post this year who's going to be the fighter of the year. And there and lots of, this was like in January, like who do you, who's going to be the fighter of the year for 2022? And I got a lot of great answers. There were a couple people who did pick Beevil, believe it or not. Um, you know, they, they saw you know, the potential for the Golovkin upset and then a possible, you know, scenario where a second big fight. So I can't say Beevil surprised everybody, but um, he's he's had an amazing year. So that that's a guy who, you know, uh, and not that he's tooting his own horn or not that he's doing a damn bit of publicity after his fights, but, uh, but you know, this was, uh, this was quite a year for him. Yeah, I think he's easily the the fighter of the year. Just kind of somewhat, I don't want to say by default, but just yeah, who he beat and and how he did it. So yeah, I mean he he's had a great 2022 when no one else has completely really stood out in that situation. So uh, I think it definitely yeah. goes to him. No, other than that, I don't have a lot. Again, we'll be talking soon. Um, you can read my stuff starryboxing dot com. Follow me at SN Boxing. SN Boxing on Facebook and as always Brandon thank you and uh, you know we'll be talking soon thank you to our listeners love you uh, support you know thanks for the support and uh, you know um, until we meet again which will be soon which will be soon absolutely well that being stated I will be back for at least one more here next week and then that will probably be a wrap as I will recap here uh, Black Prime's debut in, in Terrence Crawford uh and um, talk to Efimo Lopez and Heisman Trophy Weekend in New York. So I do want to kind of put a 
put a bow on everything with those two fights here, and I'll, I'll do that show next week. But again, I, I appreciate the listeners joining us here for this one last ride here with me and Adam. And Adam, again, I, I appreciate you. But as always, as I say to our listeners, stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. This isn't a goodbye in regards to me and Adam. This is just we'll see you later. With that being stated, that is this week's show. I am Brandon Stubbs, and I am out.